Are we going to do this or what? I'm trying to find the book. Damn it. Where you at? Where you be? Ah, Cities Without Number, Deluxe Lightweight. Came right up. All I had to do is the search function in Windows. What a concept. Right. Almost there. Almost there. Alright, let me get it. Mic off, and then we'll do the silent count. And you want to do the introduction? Welcome to the Jaunty Mantis. This is a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, the people who play them, and the various nerd garbage that we discuss behind the scenes. I'm your co-host, Maddie. I'm your other co-host, Jesse. And we are two curious gamers who are looking for creative questions. And that's what we do on this podcast. We ask each other creative questions, and then we meander about them and divert into other topics and sometimes get to the point but this is season two of the jaunty mantis and for season two jesse what are we doing creations without number number that's right this whole season is devoted to the creative process using the wonderful library of kevin crawford so our first uh, foray into this uh, project is with a book called Cities Without Number. It's a cyberpunk campaign. We've done two episodes already describing our setting, creating our setting, using the creative process and the chemistry between co-host Jesse and co-host Maddie. But Jesse, what are we going to do in this episode? Well, slot and run, Chummer, because we're making a mission. Hell yeah. That's a cyberpunk crossed idiom there. Sorry. Shadowrun thing. <laughs> Why are we creating a mission? Uh, we have not re- we've talked a little on the show about uh, adventure design, but we've never really gone through it. And I think it might be helpful or instructive and, or at least interesting to see a systematic approach applied. And Mr. Crawford has written a pretty great systematic approach. That's right. And also, I think this kind of piggybacks on something you said in another episode. What did you call it? White rooming where you create characters and then have them fight in order to like learn the system. I think this came from your friend, George. Does that sound familiar? Okay. Yep. So for me, there's a version of this, which is creating the first adventure. Like for me, when I create an adventure, if I'm using a customized campaign setting or an original idea or a semi original idea, uh, I will find out really quick what works and what doesn't work when I sit down to try to actually plan out the adventure. But I think it's important that we stress the fact that we are not writing a Bible. We are not writing a novel. We are not even in writing an adventure module. We are just coming up with ideas for an adventure. And this will have the normal caveat that we put in the other couple of episodes. Jesse and I have been lifelong friends. This is my best friend. I love this man. And we have built our relationship based on the creative process and, you know, really just like keying off of each other's ideas and having fun with it. And by no means do we think that this is how everybody should do it. And we invite you to find your own process to do it. We just thought this might be helpful to hear us do it. And, you know, I'm a person that likes to watch other people in order to learn from them. I'm a learn by doing person. So this is our equivalent of a learn by doing kind of thing. Yep. Okay. Jesse, shall we, we review yeah, the high review. level? The year is 2350 <laughs> in the frozen wastes of the ocean. A tower rises. Uh, so, yeah, we basically have set our cyberpunk game in this kind of tall tower ecology in the middle of this frozen ice. There's a huge 
problems in our world are a caste system and climate change of it being freezing cold. Um, we've kind of fleshed out uh, the some of the the dist- one district of the city, the mid tier uh, canal district and parkland being replaced by grand construction. We've created some gangs, the uh, ethical horde, who make money from lobbying the city government. That's uh, right. We've made a couple corporations, the Nova Union. Uh, who specialize in education, uh, <laughs> the, but they are incredibly vengeful and their low-level staff are zealously loyal. Um, they all have goals. We've got the Phobos Union. Uh, we've got a couple people like such as Christian Bald mm-hmm. in the city government. He has ties to the ethical horde. In uh, Georgina Akeem, the cunning person with a forgiving temperament and an irrational hatred for a class or type. Uh, they hate their current job or boss, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nigel Van Gool. Uh, and then we have a fixer named Telmore. I, oh man, I remember now rolling up Telmore. Telmore is like a sleeper agent for a foreign tower. Oh, yeah, they have had rebel or terrorist ties, foreign agents of an outside power, but they pay noticeably better than most people. And they're mm-hmm. a new face with little, yeah, that that dude is up to no good, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big surprise waiting to happen. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> You've been working for an enemy of the state. So Jesse, when you start working on an adventure, how do you how do you find a good starting place? Like uh, you know, my process begins with trying to stay small. I want to focus on the small. That's my that's my thing is like let's Let's focus in on on the town the players or char- characters are from, or the moment in which events start to change. Let's let's think small scale. Let's work on a very efficient, minimal detail level. What about you? Uh, I buy a pre written campaign and read it. Perfect. What do you want to do this time, though? Uh, I want to basically flesh out uh, mission number one using Kevin Crawford's ideas. Okay. And does that start with a page number in the uh, Cities Without Number book? Yes, because as a reminder, uh, you should buy Kevin Crawford's book, but he yeah. does make a free version available on Through for you to test it out before you buy his book. Please yeah. buy this man's work so he makes more. Yeah, but check it out. Check out the free version, and then when you fall in love with it, buy it. Okay, so where are we going to start? What page number? We're going to start on page 144. Uh, We're going to create some mission tags. And I know you've talked a little bit about having tags in your process. Mm -hmm. I was re-listening to an old episode about what you do for adventure design. And you said you just strip it down to tags like statue, sword, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Kevin does the same thing. He's a genius. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So one of the things that's really cool is we're going to roll two tags and we're going to mix and match them. Okay. Um, so each one of these tags has a little coding system of the letters E, F, C, T, and P. Would you like to guess what E stands for? Ooh, what does it stand for? Enemies. Oh, what about F? And friends. And what about C? The twist complications. And what about T then? Things. The MacGuffin. And and then P? Places. Each tag will have enemies, friends, complications, things, and places. Perfect. All right. Do you want to give an example tag on the mission tag? Yeah, I'll just start with uh, the first one, which is abandoned town. Okay. So there's a list of possible enemies for an abandoned town, crazed gang boss in the ruins, mm-hmm. a beautiful, I almost said beautiful, a brutal scavenger chief, although beautiful scavenger chief could work yeah. too, or a monstrous spawn of the wreckage. <laughs> I want that one. Yeah. All potential enemies you could run into in the abandoned town. And then F is a desperate friend is a desperate local who refuses to leave an investigator seeking the truth of the downfall or a pioneer trying to revive the place. Complication is the place is still in the process of abandonment. 
scavengers are pillaging it actively or the cause of the abandonment is still an active hazard things are precious things lost in the downfall actionable proof of a corpse culpability tech or resource that could revive the town and then the place is a desolate public gathering place a crumbled residence tower or a building smashed by the cause of the ruin nice so you got who you're working against who probably hires you what makes it hard the thing you might want that's valuable that sends you there and then some of the places that could be thematic for the team and i'm Man, that's a cool system. Yeah. It's almost like he did all the work for us. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. just let us do like the fun talky parts, right? I know. Like that's the beauty of these books. I can't stress it enough. Like this guy just did all the work for you. Like all you have to do is be like, uh, oh, maybe this change this from brutal to beautiful, you know, whatever. Just he has a we're not talking about it this season because it's not a genre we're very familiar with, but he has one for creating your own Cthulhu mythos and oh, being nice. like occult investigators. And I rolled a mythos up once and it was wild. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. All right. I can't wait to roll some virtual dice on a Google dice roller. Percentile, be- please. All right. I got a 17 breakthrough tech all right breakthrough tech and what's our other one our other one is our other one is 42 42 forbidden tech oh wow a tech adventure a tech Mm -hmm. war if you will (laughs) i know (laughs) William Shatner's tech war. <laughs> All right. Breakthrough tech. All right. Breakthrough tech. The mission involves a significant technical advance. Though this innovation may be in some esoteric industrial process or chemical synthesis valuable only to a few producers everyone around it knows it's it's important however and the first corporation to get its details can expect to profit richly from it Hmm. okay so what qualifies that well let's let's get the description of forbidden tech because then we can mash them together Oh, perfect. I didn't know if we were doing these in order or mixing them up. I love mixing them up. Forbidden tech. Why don't you go ahead and read forbidden tech? Sure. Half of what's in an operator's pockets is likely illegal in the city, but this mission involves a piece of tech that is really illegal. It involves bioweapons, poison gases, large-scale military explosives, unspeakably vile VR ships, or something else that no cop or corp security can afford to ignore. Someone may want the tech, may have the tech, or may be trying to get rid of the tech without it being traced. I love that last part. Trying to get rid of the tech. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. We talked, I think, a natural holder for this mission, the person that needs this mission done. I want to say it's the ethical horde. Okay. Why? And I think through some process, whether they're like cleaning out the ruins of their lower city base before the move, or whether they got some weird paperwork formatted to the city government and got something, I think they got their hands on basically a cheaper manufacturing process for whatever heat chemicals Volga community uses. Like this is a thing that could put them in competition with Volga. Well, that lines up with how we fleshed out this setting, right? Because we said, you know, the twist behind the technology that provides the heat is it's ridiculously easy and cheap to produce. That's its big secret. And we also discussed it, a big threat to it being an unstable version of its competition. Yeah. The only reason uh, that it's expensive or scarce is because Volga is profiteering off it. Yeah. They're hoarding it 
yeah and making it seem like it's uh it's value is way higher than than what it seems and i love that idea of trying to get rid of the tech without it being traced Mm -hmm. because i think it's really really interesting and also likely to create some conflict but for the players Mm -hmm. because they'll know that it's super valuable but the ethical horde just wants it disposed of like they want this information out of their systems they want it gone they don't want anyone to know how they have just barely survived pissing off another corp Mm -hmm. and they are not crazy enough to get greedy about this thing right now i love that can we take it one step further with an actual chemical like a not just a formula um not just data describing the chemical but the actual chemical itself physical proof because i kind of want to take this disposal thing one step further i kind of want to make a part in the adventure where some of it or all of it gets flushed down a toilet and because of the unique chemical nature of this product they have to go into the toilet to pull it out you know or recover it like it's been disposed of literally like they have to literally extract it from whatever method that they tried to dispose of it with do you think that's possible to do like go into the sewers and recover it yeah yeah like did they got so desperate to get rid of it at one point in time like it's that part in the movie where the person is just like constantly looking over their shoulder and there's guys that are about to kill them and they just fucking toss it they just get rid of it immediately and then start running away like that's what it came down to yeah like that happens during the actual meet right exactly yeah because i like the idea of them then having to go into these other parts of the district that we kind of you know workshopped in our last couple of episodes because then it'll let us give this adventure like a nice range of you know locations and places to go to okay so we need an enemy for them to strive against according to this system and looking at the forbidden tech hey here's an idea you look at the other page for the uh the breakthrough tech Mm mm-hmm Okay. And I'll look at the forbidden tech and then we'll just say things for each category that jumps out on us and then decide what works best. Mm -hmm. Let me know when you're there. I'm there. Okay. One of the enemies, and I love this idea, is a desperate zealot set on using the tech for their cause. There's somebody else in the ethical horde that knows about it. And they're the idiot that's gotten greedy with it. Perfect. And they're high enough up the chain to have resources. So we have another group of people hunting for it. So right. it's a race against time on this mission. Right. And that that cues into an enemy from the breakthrough tech list that I really like, which was the cruel scientific headhunter. I like the idea of like a, a, a mercenary, an assassin, a headhunter, a hunter, but he's like really fucking nerdy. Like he wears a fucking lab coat. Like he's a guy that like was working in a scientific capacity and he just has a penchant for cruelty and beating people up and that's just become the the his path right so right. i like designing that whole aesthetic around this like science-based headhunter like an evil dexter from dexter's lab all grown up and disgusting okay what do you think i love it i i think having two groups looking for it like yeah raise you the have stakes. clash you have them yeah. clash with each other like what this has the potential to do is it has so many moving parts you know, and you could preface the adventure by saying, like, you can use just these or you can have them all going off at the same time. You know, like if you need to, like, really mix things up right now, have the fucking headhunter just like come right around the corner, you know, and just make it obvious that this person's about to start killing people. Yep. Yep. We'll, I think we'll get there with the complication too. Uh, do you got anybody on the friends list? I got something that's likely, but I want to hear yours first. Um, I, I, I kind of like this sympathetic entrepreneur. I, I, I like the idea that there is a positive potential to this technology, that there is somebody out there who is trying to do right with it. And because of this is a, you know, because cyberpunk is an extrapolation and commentary on like, 
you know, the 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 evils of consumerism and capitalism gone wrong um, and, a, and a, a decimated society by that that particular aspect. I like the idea of a sympathetic entrepreneur, which is what is listed through the breakthrough text. Somebody who the PCs could trust to be able to be interested in this technology, you know, as much as anybody could be trusted. Now, like what role that person plays, whether they're in the background, you know, can they be trusted? I don't know. But I, I like the idea of having like a little point of light in an otherwise dark and dismal setting. What do you think? Is that too overly ambitious? No, let's keep that as a third. That's a third faction option of someone also looking for it. Okay. Because, And that one is the one who will ally with them. Okay. And like have the best interest at heart. Yeah. I mean, he still wants to make money, but he can put it to good use as a competitor to bring down the other organization, the, the, the Volga Corp that, uh, that supplies the heat. Yeah. Good, good luck doing that. <laughs> yeah. I've got this one good patent and I'm going to take on a multinational evil corporation. Yeah. He'll wind up dead or bought. <laughs> yep. Or they'll just buy him. Um, okay. Here's mine. The, associate who needs the tech to discreetly disappear oh wow okay i like this so that person's the missionary so far we've got i I love the the it gets flushed i love Mm -hmm. it gets flushed Mm -hmm. um that that gives me so many ideas of where this can go uh but let's let's get through this list and then i'll tell you my idea of the plot and you can tell me your idea of the plot okay okay um complication i have the tech is disguised as something else it was stolen from someone else who wasn't supposed to have it and it's or it's seductively easy to sell on the black market Hmm. i don't think this thing is easy to sell on the black market no that kind of undermines our whole thing it's it's too dangerous like Mm -hmm. well you got anything for complications on breakthrough the tech is very dangerous to manufacture which i really like I like the idea of setting the stage with these seemingly random explosions that happen uh, off in the distance. Um, I like the idea of when this gets flushed, there's a timer on it. I'm a big fan of timers ever since we had that one uh, conversation about your uh, Age of Sigmar game and putting a timer on the party to keep things moving. I like oh, yeah, the just idea. put a clock on it. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of there being a timer on everything. Like, if you do not do X, then this happens, right? Um, so, you know, with that, if it's very dangerous to manufacture, that also does add an element to the cyberpunk setting. You know, like, everything is inherently dangerous or problematic, right? Like, you know, otherwise it's like, well, why is this a dystopian society if they have an easy produced cheap energy source? Like that should be the salvation of this setting. So it kind of feel like we need like a, that kind of twist to it that like, no, that's yeah. super on the nose for cyberpunk. And there's no problem with being on the nose for cyberpunk. Yeah. Yes. If you have the means of production, it's mm. super easy and cheap to do it. But if you're the only one with the means of production and you have this brutal cast system, um, it's not going to get out that it's super easy. And you've got, you know, you've got the manufacturing for it. Um, I think one of the things to do, I worry about this, if it's going to break down or explode on a timetable, it's not as interesting to get but I have an idea. Maybe there's like a chemical marker that's breaking down. Okay. And that chemical marker can be used to trace it with the right equipment. All right. I like that. Yeah, let's do it. So then if they don't find it, it could wind up in somebody else's hands. Gotcha. Okay. And the whole thing starts over again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that works. Do you uh do you have a similarly uh you know interesting complication? No, I think I think yours is better. Okay. Um we could do something kind of funny if it was disguised as something else. Mm. 
like yeah. I want I, I want to do Jurassic Park like a can of shaving cream or something. Yeah, like it's like, hidden in a fucking like hot dog. Yeah, but the hot dog is made of like rat meat. <laughs> Jason, Jason, a hot dog made of rat meat through the sewers with a decaying genetic tracking system or chemical tracking system on it. I'm well, grown up sadist Dexter's lab guy is <laughs> perfect. It just writes itself. Uh, it's just happening right in front of us. Yeah. Uh, thing. I think the thing is the tracking equipment. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that it's very, very dangerous to manufacture too, because mm-hmm. to get the equipment to track it, you have to go to the ETA manufacturing facility that's been decommissioned where it was made. And that right. place is a chemical wasteland with like, that oh, looks like perfect. the top of a Blade Runner city, just like oh, yeah. flame vents everywhere, deadly chemicals, noxious fumes. So are we going to make them have to suit up and like, you know, makeshift hazmat gear in order to get into that facility? Uh, I don't think we're going to make them. I think that's a really good idea. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like picturing like running gun battles on rusting, collapsing walkways above chemical vats. Like perfect. You know? Yeah. Sudden flame vents. I love it. I love it. For for my things, uh, it also says secret formula vital to the tech, which I think just goes hand in hand with what we've already been describing. So I think that one's already also been done for us right there. Yep. Um. Yep the the thing is the tracking device. Hmm. Okay, and then place. Well, we've already got one. Mm-hmm. We've got two actually. We've got the place where it was made, the horrible abandoned chemical factory. That's right. We've got the sewers because it's getting flushed and you're going down the sewers. Mm-hmm. So mine is Grim Lab where the tech is created, site of the tech's recent deployment, heavily guarded storage site for the tech. And mine are hidden corporate laboratory, restricted testing grounds, ransacked remnants of the real inventor's lab. Ooh. I like that one. Yeah. I mean, that's the, like, you know, you could throw in so many clues. Like, let's say if we did the hot dog thing, you could throw in so many clues to the hot dog in his lab. You know what I mean? I like the okay. idea of also designing a makeshift lab in somebody's uh, living space or workspace that was hidden. You know what I mean? Like it, like one of those pull-out bed kind of deals. Like it's a pull-out fucking you know lab that comes out of the wall, and it's all you know, you know, ma- you know, makeshift stuff that was taken from work. <laughs> yep. All right. What's next? we're done oh (laughs) we're just completely done episode over 15 minutes all right was it only 15 minutes (laughs) how are we going to work in our npcs okay so now we've got our npcs right um i definitely think our shady fixer is the guy who hooks this one up oh of course yeah this is perfect uh i don't know that we need a city government npc no, we don't need one, but we could have one just kind of like ready and waiting in case that ever needs to come up. Well, here's the other thing, too. If you're listening to Kevin Crawford's advice, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We rolled up these city officials. We don't have a use for them. That's They're true. not city officials anymore. That's what true. Is this guy in the ethical horde who needs to get rid of something. That's true. Remind us of this rule real quick so he says only prep what you need to prep Mm -hmm. and then also no prep is ever wasted because if they don't go to the dungeon that you drew you've still got a dungeon you can use for something else so just look at your cards your elements you've created and repurpose them Mm -hmm. which is such great great advice yeah use the whole animal yep 
Okay. So, so you want to talk through the outline of, uh, from your perspective? Well, we need, well, wait, you had a defined idea that you were waiting to share. So let's do that. Oh, we got it. It was like, it was the chemical plant. Oh, okay. Okay. Perfect. It was the chemical plant where they have to go because they have to get the, the thing that lets them track the compound to narrow down on it in the sewers. All right. Well, then let's go back to one then. What is the hook to get the player characters into do they have any stakes in it is it all through our npc that we've decided to include it in 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 the adventure like you know is there any kind of personal stakes involved are there multiple pathways into this adventure how about um i mean it could be as little as the fixer calls you and says i've got this job it's urgent yeah the ethical horde needs help um but if you wanted to to really personalize it more and have them make it their mission. Um, let's say that the do-gooder character we've mentioned mm-hmm. is like a family, a bro- older brother or something, you know, or like some, some familial fond connection to one of the player characters. I, yeah, I, I, I love all of these things and I want to do more. One of the things that I used to love about, um, pre-written adventures in the third edition era, even though I don't like pre-written adventures, but <laughs> Wizards of the Coast did release some some mini adventures on, on their website that you could download. And in some of them, there were like multiple prompts for how you can get characters into the adventure. Like you just said, there's a family member or somebody hired you or whatever the case may be. So I like bringing all of these different things together, right? Like we mentioned the idea of explosions happening off in the distance and you could make it that one of the characters, people close to them have been affected by this. I like the idea of tying in our setting directly into the characters. And I know we don't have characters made in order to reverse engineer that process, right? Because in one of our episodes, we said get to know the player characters and then decide the adventure around them. We don't have that. But I like the idea of putting in like setting specific prompts that you can be like, okay, well, Mike, for your character, they've noticed these explosions happening and that was a cause of the death of your uncle or whatever the case may be. And this this is like very important to you that you discover why this happened because it seemed random out of nowhere. And you're desensitized, your character is desensitized to things like this. But for some reason, this really matters why does it matter to you? Why did, you know, why did this event matter to you? I like the idea of the writer's room approach of the apocalypse world system of like bringing the player characters into the story. Why does this matter to you? You know, what is it about this sympathetic entrepreneur? Why, why will this product work? You know, Jesse, you're playing in my game. Your brother is the sympathetic entrepreneur who has a plan for this product, why would this work? Like, why does this have a shot of working in this bleak corpo environment? I don't know that I'd go with the aspect of hope that early on, to be honest. Okay. Is it is it okay if I come back with another pitch on that? I'm not oh, trying totally. to crap on yours. No, no. Totally. I, I would say you have a cousin. You grew up together. He's a really good guy. And he actually made it. He made it out of the mid-tier. Um, and... Uh, he's been working on these products. Uh, you guys talk once a week. What do you usually talk about? Right. And then be like, he hasn't called you in two weeks. Yeah, I like it. And then they could go find the ransacked, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's another hook in. Right. Like they go to his apartment or whatever. They find the ransacked uh, lab that he has. Right. Yeah. It's, it's been tossed. Mm-hmm. Um, they find some sort of like data code that in some cipher they used as kids, they got missed. Right. Leads them to the next place. Which you can ask the player about the, about their character. They're like, you guys had like a special code or a cipher, a way yeah. you communicated when you were kids what is it like like you don't have to come up with it exactly but what is it like a puzzle is it like a series of numbers like just off the top of your head like give me something to work with right yep. like bring the player into it 
Love it. And then, of course, we also have the option of the fixer. Like, if you got a more mercenary character, a fixer calls you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you could also make somebody... I want to bring this, like, nut job into it that, like, there's a rumor on the street that this guy's on the prowl and everybody's talking about it, you know? Like, there's this weird thing that happens for me in movies and TV or books where there's that person that has, like, street cred and they go to like people who are like sort of kind of criminals or around criminals and they're like what's the big score what's the thing happening on the street what, are, what what's everybody talking about and i'm like god this is such a cop out a, a way to transmit the story i mean i don't know how else you do it but like people are just like freely talking about it and then it leads them right to the guy it just seems really weird but in a role playing game that's perfectly acceptable <laughs> <laughs> so I like the idea of being like this, 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 uh, psycho Dexter, uh, from is out there. Uh, you know, this like a uh, science assassin is out there in rumor form. And I like the idea of not necessarily tying it into the characters, but definitely putting it on, putting a seed in, in for a player character to follow. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's, if they go to a meet at the club or whatever, that's what people are talking about. Like you hear people are talking like, ah, you know, lab coats out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just envisioned this guy with like these huge goggles and the fucking lab coat and like those dishwasher gloves. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like all the fucking stereotypical images you have of like a whacked out mad scientist, right? He's got like crazy fucking hair. You know? Yep. I love it. Looks like he's been electrocuted at least five times in the last 24 hours. All right. Are we going to use any other, are we going to use any mission types or anything else from the Crawford book? Um, I don't think, I think we've got a, a solid enough plot. Like we would just then need to like, you know, look up some maps of our locations in case we needed them for just showing the players. This is what it is. Uh, we'd pull some stats from the back of the book, probably despite the scale and scope of this run, it'd be like one or two hit die guys at most, maybe three hit die. If we're using this system, three hit die for the, the baddie, the big baddie, like lab coat there. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it kind of goes itself. One question I might have. So this is like another thing I do with this general outline. Uh, I want to think about recovery real quick. Okay. They get onto the hook. They go investigate. They find that they need to go get this uh, device that can track this chemical compound or get a sample of the chemical compound um, in a decayed form to upload to this device so they can track it. Wait, where does the meat happen where it gets flushed? Well, that's what we, you know, ultimately we need to design that encounter would be if we were actually making this game, you know, I would like it to be, there's pressure from all sources. They're just about got their hands on the person that, you know, has it. And then that person is in the process of flushing it. Right. So where yeah. does, where does that happen? Like, has somebody recovered it from the, um, you know, from uh, the um, apartment with the makeshift science kit, has it, you know what I mean? Like, have they led the person to it? Like, what are the series of events in which this play out, right? Like, we talked about the player character having a code or a cipher. Like, what does that reveal, you know, about it that that they don't know? Like, who has it and why are, like, they're trying to get rid of it desperately? You know, we have a motivator for getting rid of it because we have, you know, fucked up science headhunter on the loose. You could play yeah. an event in a building where somebody looks out the window and this guy's walking through the front door, like he'll be there soon, or he's coming up the stairs, you know, and yep. like they're like the person thereafter is like, you don't understand, like we're all in danger. I got to get rid of this thing now. And the player characters are like, give it to us. And that person's like, no. And then just goes over and like throws it in a fucking chemical toilet and flushes it out. You know what I mean? You yeah. Could the do cousin. Go ahead. 
the cousin or whatever, getting back to the original idea, the cousin is not made good corp guy. Cousin is in the ethical horde. Okay. Like higher ranking. And he's got his hands on this thing. So he's gone to ground with the horde, but they're initially looking for him Mm because he's disappeared. They find him. (laughs) He's in the horde headquarters or a horde like safe house. And he's talking about this. I got this. It does this. We got to get rid of it. Like, I'd love to use it, but there's too many. I I feel like people are onto it. And then they see the dude walking. So it gets flushed. Okay. I think we should use the old Horde headquarters. And why did we say that we said it was it's being redeveloped, right? Into a new neighborhood no the old headquarters was in the lower city and it got there was a heating accident or something but we decided that actually like i think nova like got pissed off at them because of Mm -hmm. an indenture and nova's incredibly vengeful um Mm -hmm. so they like sent in like a corp kill squad to blow it up okay then what am i thinking of i'm thinking of some sort of like open waterway that was a- so there's that canal district and then there's like the big parkland that was like the water reclamation thing that nobody was really using so people it kind of became like a commons mm-hmm. and then volga whose money trouble is from the failure of this housing initiative was trying to create some nicer mid mid housing and they're changing that parkland into this then that's where it happens because there's multiple opportunities for this guy to throw it in the water and get rid of it Right. Because what I like to do with an adventure is after I start getting it fleshed out, I start thinking like, okay, now how can this go horribly wrong? Right. From my perspective. And one thing that could definitely go horribly wrong is we don't get to have our cool flush it down the toilet moment. Right. Yeah. So we need to have lots of opportunity for that to happen. Right. Like they shoot him and you're like, well, he falls over and it rolls out of, you know, and goes into the water right like it would be it's not unacceptable and horrible but it is disappointing if you're like i want a part of this to go this way (laughs) right so you know if that area is being developed there's opportunities for both of these things to happen what do you think yeah it's like a wireframe basically like shed in the construction zone that he's the horde uses in the safe house for the stage because it's construction's paused mm-hmm. it's almost like i almost get the sense of like obviously we'd cyberpunk this up to our crazy winter arcology but like kids playing in uh half-built houses in a housing edition right and there's all this yeah. signage on the front like kind of world of tomorrow style but not really because it's a cyberpunk dystopia so it's like you know the outside of the development area is cl- like has all this iconography about how great it is going to be to live in this area but everything's come to a screeching halt so, so you it's have... all peeling and yellowed and perfect. Yes, exactly. We trash have this like filling the the chain link fence. Exactly. We have this juxtaposition between development and these old waterways and the stagnation that is happening in between. Yep. Awesome. So I think that's where it should take place. Okay. So then here's the other out. Are they racing for the tracking device? Or are they trying to get the tracking device and then find it before lab coat gets it? Hmm. I think they're trying to find it before lab coat gets it because okay. I think that just adds more urgency to the situation. You know, I, uh, to bring up the age of Sigmar game again, like I don't want a lot of situations where it's like, okay, guys, what do you do? And then everybody's just kind of like silent. Nobody knows what's happening. I like a sense of urgency in games. Um, so I, I I like I want things to just constantly be happening for this adventure. Cool. All right. So they gotta go to this the hazard is the environment. Mm-hmm. And then the conflict there is that there's some crappy, scabby mutant gang. That... <laughs> yeah. What about, I mean, you know, 
you could put a creature in there. You could do all sorts of stuff. You know, I, I would say what kind of environmental stuff, but we're already going to do that with like the chemical area. That's hugely environmental, you know, danger. Uh, so I would like to do something different with this particular zone uh, for the adventure. But yeah, you could do some like drifter gang that's just like hanging out in that development area that hasn't been cleared out yet. You know? Yep. Something that's rival to the ethical horn. <laughs> oh, I was, th I'm thinking about like when they go to get the chemical compound or the tracking thing mm -hmm. at the place of manufacture. Oh, okay. What's yeah. the conflict or challenge there? And I just had this crazy idea of like, how would you make a penguin scary? <laughs> like, because its blood's been replaced by this chemical and it generates heat and it's like eight feet tall. And like, will, it, will it explode? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of this idea. I mean, we know it evolved from a penguin. I don't think it would help the players to know that it evolved from a penguin. Yeah. But something bird-like, raptorial, that moves in a surprising way and is channeling heat from within it um, that potentially explodes when you shoot it. I like the juxtaposition of this is a frigid, cold environment and the thing you are fighting is producing too much heat. Yeah. Like they are like sweating. The the closer this thing's getting to them, like they touch it and it burns their skin, you know? Yeah. So they got to figure out how to get around that thing or kill that thing to get the thing to track it. And then they're racing against time to find the sample in the sewer system before Labco does. Labco's got goons or there's something in the sewer. They get it. They don't get it. How do they get paid? Um, they get paid in t one of two ways. They either get paid by recovering it or they get paid by properly disposing of it okay. because there was a second person interested in disposing it desperately. And that person was watching from the sidelines for some reason. So they're aware they're aware you could have like a double contract on this job, right? That could be a yeah. fun little like twist in the adventure that the person supplying this uh, contract to them, this job to them is like, by the way, there are two contracts for this job. You can eat, you know what I mean? Like there's a buyer who's interested in this and there's a buyer who's interested in getting rid of it. And then that puts like a fun, you know, quandary on the party of like, what do we have and what do we do with it? And it could be a launching point into, you know, the next adventure. And that's totally something that shady fuck Telmore would do. <laughs> yeah. I was almost like, who? <laughs> Our fixer, who's, you know, yep. foreign agent of outside powers. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I think we got it. Well, what other kind of things can go horribly wrong? I mean, this is one night's play. I don't think we need too much more horribly wrong fair enough like i think we got like we got a couple major beats of our story a couple major scenes they're gonna have some planning discussion in the middle um and the then, only thing i could think of going horribly wrong is if the party kills lab coat <laughs> you know it's not the worst thing in the world it just is going to take a lot of the like dread aspect out of the adventure there was another one. <laughs> oh no lab lab coat uh he's a scrawny little scientist mm -hmm. he operates drones like oh, android drones with like lab coats like and the gloves and horrible crazed like glowing eyes that like see this is why i'm saying like plan for what could go horribly wrong and it just makes it even better yeah yeah that way if they do kill it it's just a drone mm -hmm. perfect okay all right i think we did it how do you feel about it this process is it similar really to what you do 
this is a more efficient version of what I do because this keep this keeps you on track. You know, with me, I just kind of like lay in lay in a bed or on a couch and just kind of like start spinning through things through my imagination and then occasionally writing them down. And this is a more focused approach. You know, it's like here's what it is. Roll on the table. This is what's happening. And you could deny the result of the roll at any point in time. We could have been like, nah, this one doesn't work. Let's just try another one. You know? Yeah. I like it. I really, I think next time the nice thing is with these books and as we'll get into later in the season, he's got a version of this for just about every major genre of role-playing except Western. <laughs> That's the, of course he does. I've, I mean, I've mentioned this. One of my favorite is Wolves of God, where you're seventh century Anglo-Saxons. He's got a version of this for creating <laughs> adventures of that. There's a part of me that wants to combine all of them. Oh, but... there's guidance. <laughs> there's a whole section in Wolves of God for bringing Anglo-Saxons from Wolves of God into the stars without number as like, this is an out of contact human world that you discover. And then there's these crazy fucking Anglo-Saxons that live here. If we ever get to the point where we had uh, a, a large enough audience and like a Patreon or something, I would be like, let's, let's design a setting and adventure just using the tables and prompts, but like you have to jump from one book to the next. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll, we'll run it for the patrons. That'd be great. Yeah. Very weird, but we like weird. We do like weird. And listener, if you also like weird, then guess what? You are one of us. You are one of us. We are the Jaunty Mantis. We are curious gamers looking for creative questions. And Jesse, if our listeners have creative questions for us, what should they do about that? Well, you can write us an email at jauntymantis at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can also reach out on Twitter or Hex as Wantymantis. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that, that works. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, until then, uh, I guess get out there and write some fucking adventures and shit. Yeah, go go find the chemical marker detector so, you know, heat is cheap. Yeah, hide some future tech in a rat hot dog. <laughs> it's the best idea of this episode. Good night, y'all. Good night. <laughs>